Hey everybody, Jesse here. Before we get into today's episode, I just wanted to talk to you about something which is really exciting and I think that you would get a lot out of. And that's our Facebook community. Now we've had a page for a while and we post our promotional content and our memes on there and we know you guys love that but we wanted a place where people could just talk about some of the topics that we discuss in our episodes plus much more in a safe closed sort of like a a group of friends sitting around a table having dinner and discussing stuff just life faith culture the whole shebang so if you want to be part of the facebook community head over to surprise, surprise, Facebook, and just type it in the search bar. Click on the group um, because it's a group, it's a closed group, and use the secret password, Poppy Gloria. That's our password for now. We don't accept anybody if you don't provide the password, and it's okay if you misspell it, but we want people who are listening to the podcast to be in the group, not just random people, because you know how some internet trolls, they come onto these groups and they just make a mess. So if you want to discuss discuss ideas that we talk about in our episodes, plus much more, interact with us, really get into community, check out our Facebook community group. We'll see you there. Welcome back to Burn the Haystack with Josh and Jesse. I'm Jesse. And I'm Josh. And this is a podcast all about helping you save the best and burn the rest of your culture and faith practices. And today we have a very, very, very special start to a couple of episodes, if that makes sense. We we have a sort of two-parter. We don't do these very often. So when we do, they're really exciting. (laughs) I'm excited. I'm definitely excited. And so should you guys, um, because today and next week, we are going to be talking to Benjamin and Kim Lundquist. Um, If you remember from not too long ago, we had Ben on the podcast talking about leadership and young adult ministry in Portland, Oregon. Um, and they've come back to talk all about dating and marriage. Mm. But before we get into that, there is some other exciting news we have to share. That's true. There was a very big announcement last week. Mm. And it has changed my life. It's definitely changed Josh's life, yes. <laughs> <laughs> because... My all-time favorite bird and bear duo, Banjo-Kazooie, are in Super Smash Brothers, and I'm so excited! <laughs> I love the trailer. The trailer was such a tease. <laughs> it was amazing! I'm Is so that, happy! So, <laughs> so that, that bird, so for those of you guys who don't know, there's like this trailer that announced it, and there was like this this other bird and dog sort of combo that, that kind of... Is that a real character, or do they just kind of make that oh, up? Oh, yeah. That that's so. Those are. Did you ever play? Did you ever play that old arcade game, um, Duck Hunt? Oh, I, I know yeah, of it. That's the Duck Hunt duo. Oh, okay. It's the ducks right, and the, the 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 dog that you use, and they're they're another playable character in Super Smash Brothers. That's so funny. <laughs> it has like Pac Man. It has Duck Hunt duo. It's such a random cast. I love it so much. And Banjo yeah. is just Banjo Kazooie. They're just. Oh, I'm so happy. They're just like my favorite, <laughs> some of my favorite video game characters. They haven't really been on a Nintendo game since the year 2000. 
Yeah, they're no, really, it's true. Have, the last game they were in is in 2008. So 11 years of a Banjo-Kazooie drought has finally been broken with them being in Super Smash. So for the five of our listeners that care about this, I'm glad you're as happy as I am. And for everyone else, thanks for thanks for being happy for us. <laughs> yeah, no, it's cool. It's cool. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I'm not I'm not so much into the Switch sort of ecosystem. But as I was saying to Josh before we started recording, it's fun to kind of look into all the fun stuff and go, I don't really know what's going on here, but this looks super awesome. Yeah, <laughs> like, I don't get it, but it looks fun. It's the best. I'm so happy. It's a good time to be a gamer, especially a Nintendo gamer. So yeah, I am no. a happy lad. But anyway, we should uh, we should talk about probably some more serious stuff like like dating and, and and sex and sex. You can't say that word, Josh. It's the sex <laughs> word. You can't say this. You can't say the sex. Wait, we're not allowed to say sex. What? <laughs> what about porn? Can we say that? Ooh, that's. I mean, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> we didn't really talk about that that much in this episode. Uh, I don't, yeah. Do we talk about it at all? I don't even know. I don't know. What about most... ha- holding hands? Can we talk holding about that? Ha- that's, that's even worse, bro. Too far? I, I, Almost I, as bad as da- dancing? Well, bro, I heard that sex leads to dancing. So if that's, well, that's, you know, that's an indictment enough on sex. So you shouldn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, hey, it was, it was a, it was a great conversation. It was a fun conversation. It's the first time that we had, uh, that we were introduced to Kim, uh, Ben's. Who's fantastic. She's she's a cool chick. She's so cool. I loved it. Yeah, it was great. Um, she's really sharp as well, and that, I I always I always find that kind of fascinating. The woman behind the man sort of thing, because you get a lot of pastors and they're kind of like the front person, but then it's always fascinating to kind of figure out who the woman behind them is. Um, and uh, yeah, it's yeah no, it's cool. Uh, she's the Kim behind the uh, She's definitely yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah no it's cool um so look hey you guys uh we are going to just jump right out of the way so that we can jump into this conversation i i do have to make one quick apology i was sick as all heck during this video uh, not video this podcast episode so um you guys will probably notice that my voice is a little bit more gravelly and, and, and what have you, and I'm not my sort of usual chipper self. So, um, please bear. Is chipper the word we'd use to describe you, Jesse? Yeah, probably not. But <laughs> I, whatever my usual self is, I was not my usual self. So bear that in mind. Sorry in advance, and thank you for bearing with us. And welcome back to the podcast, Benjamin and Kim Lundquist. How are you guys today? We are doing fantastic. Yeah, doing great. Thanks for having us. Oh, it is so good to have you. This is part one on our two-part series on dating and marriage. Um, we've had Benjamin on just a little while ago, so it feels like we're just catching up with a friend once again. But this time... You have brought along another friend, a very good friend of yours. Would you like to just introduce your very good friend, Benjamin? (laughs) Yeah, so my uh, my special friend, who I'm also I'm also married to, uh, have been married to for the last 14 years, and I hope I can be married to her beyond uh, this podcast. Uh, That's that's the goal. But yeah, my uh, the other voice, who's a lot prettier than mine, uh, is. Kimberly and and she's my wife and we have been 
Uh, we celebrated 14 years of marriage February 13 of this year. And so, yeah, we have two kids and just have, uh, yeah, been on an awesome marriage, date, first dating and then marriage journey together and, and growing our family. And we team up a lot on ministry. and We also have a lot of our own interests uh, together as well. But yeah, so accompanying me is my wife, Kim. Hello. Mm. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. so good. Kim, does he speak the truth? Um, yeah, I think he does. He does pretty good. Yeah, that was a <laughs> nice intro. So thank you for that. <laughs> oh, uh, so awesome. Cool. Yeah, I mean, we've been we've been talking about well, we've been talking about talking about um, dating and marriage for a while. But both Jesse and I, we're both married. But I mean, I've only been married for four years, um, so we didn't think we were kind of great um, great authorities on this. <laughs> but um, <laughs> so we thought we'd get people who in, who are a bit more experienced than us and can give us a bit more wisdom. And um, I remember after we finished recording with Benjamin last time, we ended up just having a little chat about marriage and dating. And we were just like, yeah, we've got to get both of you back. And so <laughs> as soon as like he, he said, mentioned some of the, yeah, some of the stuff he shared. Oh, I don't know. I've been excited about this episode since way back then. So uh, thank you both for making the time yeah, to come thanks, on. Um, thanks for the opportunity. And, uh, you know, again, love, love what you both are doing. And we're honored to share a bit of our journey yeah. with you. Mm. For sure, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I guess the the question that's going to be on every probably every girl's mind is how did you guys meet? <laughs> yeah, Kim, you want to start, or you want me to start? I mean, um, I can start at least from my perspective. But uh, we, I went to Southern Adventist University in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and I started um, at a thing that they kind of have called the pre-summer session, where you come early to. I wanted to try out for the gym master team there because I was into gymnastics and dance and all that stuff. So I, I went there to try out for that. And, um, and he ended up being there, um, kind of prepping the freshman girls that were trying out, they had to fly in the air. And I ended up kind of seeing him across the mats. And I was like, Whoa, that dude is good looking. Oh. He had a hat on and he had these I'm going to say that, that that whoa was a positive. Like, yeah. whoa. Not, I was, not, so like, a, not like, whoa, whoa. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I mean, he, I was a huge Matthew McConaughey fan, the actor. Um, and nice. he definitely had a vibe going on with the curls and the hat. And I was like, all right, welcome to college. You know, like, this is great. So he uh, ended up kind of um, throwing me up in the air and teaching me a few tricks uh, for flying in the air for gymnastics and yeah so that was kind of my first initial um meeting him and just yeah definitely you know enjoyed what I saw so <laughs> but yeah and then we ended up doing the team together that year so yeah that was my first kind of introduction to so so Kim was just coming in to Southern Adventist University as a as a college freshman and I uh had just returned from doing a year in the student as a student missionary on the island of Ponape teaching fourth grade and so I came Whoa. back from being a student missionary in the South Pacific as Kim was coming in as a freshman. And so we're roughly uh, five years age difference apart. But that gymnastics team there at Southern Adventist University was our first, I think, time seeing each other and meeting each other and just kind of, you know, striking up a friendship uh, together. And one of the interesting things about being on that gymnastic uh, team and that culture is that you end up spending uh, four, sometimes five evenings a week with the same group of 50 people. 
And so we were able to spend a lot of time together and, um, you know, doing shows and practices. And so I think that uh, you're on the team and we actually ended up doing three years of gymnastics on the same team together. But that initial year allowed us to really see each other um, in some one-on-one settings, but we also got to see each other in a big group setting all the time because we were hanging out almost every night together. And so it was a great time. I, I think on a team like that, you're probably either going to see things that draw you to somebody or you're going to see things that make you realize uh, maybe a friendship level is where this thing needs to stay and it's not going to progress beyond that. But it was yeah. Yeah, on that gymnastics team that we got together. Yeah, we mm. we didn't date until about a year and a half in. So, and I'll just be honest, I had a real hang up initially about her age, and uh, you know, mm. now being five years age difference, uh, where we're at right now, is not a big deal. But I think in college, um, I just felt like we were at different life stages, and I didn't realize that Kim um, had a maturity to her because of the journey that she had had in life. And so even though we were five years age difference, I think our maturity level was very similar because she had been through some things in her life that had just matured her a lot quicker. And girls, I think, often maybe more mature than guys. Mm. Uh, was yeah, that like, that's right. was, no, like, were you saying amen? You're speaking the truth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, so we, so, you know, we got to know each other and spent about a year and a half doing that team. Um, and I think, you know, both realized we had a mutual interest um, in possibly dating uh, each other, love the friendship that we had built up, but that definitely is how we how we got to know each other initially. Wow. So do you think it's kind of, um, do you think it's a bit like, I, I know a lot of people when they date, they don't really, like they only sort of spend one-on-one on, one on one time together. Um, do you think it's important to have, I guess, multiple settings in which you, you're like the, the person that you're thinking of dating? Um, yeah, it's important to have settings where you see them one-on-one, but also in different group sizes and that sort of thing. I mean, I, I do. I think for sure. I think you, um, you know, I've seen people date and they have their separate friends and then there's friends that don't like them or don't like them with that person. And that always tends to be a level of conflict within that relationship. So I think if you are exposed early on, and I think it's a healthier relationship in general, because, you know, like we hung out with groups, um, with just a big group of friends before we even dated. And I think that we were able to get to know each other on a different level, a friendship level first. You're able to have fun and not put that pressure, that alone time pressure that can come on a relationship too soon when you're just one-on-one and you know, I think mm. it's healthy to get to know each other's friends and see if you jive in all those areas. Because I think if you're, if you just don't click with each other's friends, you know, you're not going to be married to the friends. But there, that would definitely be a little flag, I think, for sure. That might be of concern if you guys have just vastly different friends that just can't get along. Like you might have different hobbies. That might be an issue later. So I, I definitely think it's healthier to hang out. You know, to have. Still do the alone stuff, but definitely hang out with your friends for sure. Yeah, I, I, I think you really, yeah, like Kim was saying, I think you you want to be able to date and observe how somebody interacts socially in both settings. I mean, you want to be able to spend a little bit of one-on-one time together, you know, talking about the future and life and goals and just trying to see if your personalities click. But I think you can you can learn so much about somebody in the way that they inter- interact in group settings and I'll just I'll mention one observation that I've had. I think there are so few 
um, Adventists that I know that had any kind of guidance when it came to dating early on. I know I never had a conversation with my mom or dad about dating. And I think uh, for so many that haven't got into that conversation ahead of time, there's um, this feeling of if I meet somebody, we immediately have to go exclusive. We've got to pull away from the group. And I've seen Mm. couples almost engage with each other as if they were married and it puts a lot of it puts a lot of interesting pressure mm. on the maintaining of that relationship when in reality you're not really designed or meant at that stage in your relationship to be spending that much time uh just together solo so i think you need a little bit of both you know and i i saw kim you know for a year and a half interacting with so many people i saw her heart i saw her personality I saw the way that she loved people and engaged with people. And so I think it was really helpful um, just as we got to know each other to see that full picture of the one-on-one of getting to know somebody, Mm. but also being able to connect in that setting of uh, the community and being social in groups. I think it's huge to be able to have both of those interactions. I can I can also imagine that um, doing that one on one sort of interaction and then in the groups would have saved you a lot of money in terms of dinners Mm. and movies and all that. Because especially like if you're even if you're like a college student dating and even if you're not dating can be so expensive and there's so much pretense (laughs) behind it as well Mm -hmm. you know like and like unset expectations you know so it's like yeah when you're in groups there's just there's none of that you know and I think even seeing who your you know special friend is friends with like who they choose to be friends with tells a lot about them and you can kind of uh. see character development there that you won't see one on one you know i think mm. i had heard somewhere that a person can hide their true character for up to a year in a relationship until it's like you know you can fully Whoa. see more about them so you know i think when you're exposed to their friends you see a lot more about them and their interest and you just it, it, you can if you're perceptive you can definitely learn a lot by that so do you think yeah. that the current sort of standard for dating that everybody just kind of accepts, do you think that encourages that being able to hide your actual character? Oh man. What would you say with that? I yeah. I, I think that's a, um, I think that's a great question. Yeah. And yeah, I, I would, I would probably comment by saying that with the complexities of social media and some of those pressures and just a filtering culture that we live in, it might even do well, a couple might even do well to even spend a little more time um, together just trying to create that space where you can really get to know a person's heart and find out what they're really like. And I think when, uh, you know, when we dated, there really wasn't as much of a social media pressure as there is today, you know, but I think there's, there's a pressure to, Um, you know, portray a certain image on Twitter and and Facebook, if you're still on that platform, or also on Instagram. (laughs) And that didn't really exist for us early on. But I think with that social pressure, yeah, I think you want to be able to really see a person one-on-one in in a community setting so you can create a safe space where you can really see that person for who they are, you know, and, and try to figure out, is this somebody that I could see myself spending the rest of my life with. And I think that's something that I wish somebody would have told me early on about dating is that to date or to be in an exclusive relationship with somebody really 
has the purpose of exploring, is this somebody that I could spend the rest of my life with in a committed, growing relationship? And nobody, I don't know about you, Kim, but nobody had ever said that uh, to me early on. And I, I really didn't understand the ins and outs of, of what was the purpose behind dating. I think for me, it was really almost a solution to loneliness and and this idea mm. that if I'm with somebody, I'm not going to be as lonely and I'm going to feel like I have more value because I'm connected to somebody in a relationship. And I wish somebody would have sat uh, me down and said, you know, Ben, God's design is never for you to get your value and worth out of a dating relationship. Like that's not God's design. I think God's design is that we go to God for our worth and our value, and it's out of our worth and value and identity that we then have mm. the chance to pursue relationships with people. And Kim, maybe you can speak into this, but we meet so many people that are really um, looking for that value, worth, and identity in a relationship, and they're asking something of somebody else that only God can give them. And they end up, I think, really navigating kind of treacherous ground when you are asking for something from somebody that they were never designed or capable of giving you in the first place. Yeah. No, I think you said it all right there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> went deep yeah. There. No, I, I I'm agree. intrigued. Yeah. Oh, sorry. You're going to, no, he, t- he covered it. Well, I totally agree with everything that he said with that. I think, um, yeah, definitely a different way to date now with all the social media. You know, I feel like with a lot of young adults, either they're on it or they're definitely not, especially at least that's the vibe here with the Oregon kind of Pacific Northwest. It's either they're social media people or they're just not. And either of those have, um, you know, definitely, I, th- I think, um, you know, stuff that's hard and challenging with both of those. But I mean, I remember being nervous just to leave him a voicemail on the phone because I had just gotten a cell phone (laughs) in college and I was all like nervous for him to hear my voice, like without, you know, being there in person. I can't even imagine now with the social media. And I I remember uh, leaving some just meetings and and, or classes in college and getting done thinking, man, I wonder if she left me a voicemail. Like, I'm really excited <laughs> about checking my voicemail. Oh, yeah. I'd like that and cool I think, flip phone. Yeah, and I think you had to, like, dial a number, and then you had to press another number, and then your voicemail would come <laughs> up. And I thought, ooh, when you got the that uh, notification, you have one voicemail. Yes, yes. <laughs> and just, yeah, that, ex- that exciting feeling. But, That's yeah, it's, it's, t- it's tough. I, I, I think I really, um, you know, look, you know, Kim and I have talked about this, but it, I think navigating the dating journey today, it's challenging, you know, and I think you really have to be rooted in who you are and, and your purpose has to be really clear because it's, it's challenging. Yeah. 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 I think, um, you sort of mentioned it before about the idea of dating with purpose. And, um, I think reflecting on that, most people I know, when it comes to dating, you ask them why they date and their answer is generally something along the lines of, oh, well, that's just what you do. If you like someone, you go out on a date with them. And I'm like, yeah, but why are you going on a date with them? Do you know what I mean? Like, and mm. a lot of people, they don't, I don't think they really question why, why am I doing each of these steps? Is there actually any intentionality to each step I'm taking? Is there intentionality of going out to get a coffee together or you know, spending time with their friends or that kind of thing, them spending time with my friends. Um, 
So how, what, do you guys have sort of um, some helpful steps and tips for people for dating with intentionality or dating with purpose? Yeah, well, I think we have a couple we could share. Kim, you want to jump into anything? Well, I mean, are you <laughs> wanting to kind of do like an overview of the, you want to start and then I can kind of jump in? Um, yeah, maybe I'll touch on one and we've got, you know, when Kim and I were thinking about this podcast and, you know, honored to be able to share a little bit, you know, we, we made a list of a couple of things for us that we thought were, were really important when it came to approaching dating. And some of these are, are things that we wish somebody had sat us down and shared with us when we were trying to, by trial and error, figure out this dating journey. And I, I think the first one that I would, sh- would share would be, um, you know, you read in scripture, uh, love the Lord your God with all your with all your your heart, your mind, your soul. And I and, and somebody may be thinking, like, you know, is he gonna go to a spiritual place right off the bat? I you know, I and just hang with me for a little bit here. I think the when I when I think about dating with intentionality and purpose, I think you really want to uh make sure you know before you enter into an exclusive relationship with somebody that you wanna know where your identity is anchored because you're not dating so you can receive your identity from that person. You're dating ideally because you already know who you are and you're dating from worth and value. You're not dating to receive worth and value. And I think for me, that's a real just important foundation from the get-go that if you're going to consider dating somebody exclusively, you know, being in a relationship with somebody that you want to date from that place of worth and value, not looking to that relationship so you can receive the mm. worth and value that only God can give you. Yeah, no, that's right on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's so good with words. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Pastas. Uh, I know, right? Yeah, listen, if I talk too much, just tell me, stop. It's all right. Stop. I'll just sing <laughs> softly in the background. <laughs> stop <talking. laughs> Yeah. No, that's good. I think um, I, I'd like I'd love to ask you guys as well, like because um, I know that many of us get into dating and we have the best of intentions, but sometimes things just don't work out. So, have you guys had any situations in your life pre-dating and getting in a relationship with each other? Hard lessons that you've had to learn along the way from previous relationships and the way that's carried on to actually having a successful dating relationship. Yeah. Yeah. So for me, um, you know, I wasn't raised um, in the church or Christian in any aspect. So, you know, I had my older sister I kind of looked up to with dating and she locked herself into a long term high school relationship. You know, they got physical too soon, but she stayed with this guy for four years, um, ended up having her heart broken. And um, anyway, so I kind of observed that thinking, I don't ever want to be in a long-term relationship, but my sophomore year in high school, I ended up dating a guy for about six months and was, of course, at that time, your emotions are running so high. I thought I was in love with the guy. And anyway, Mm -hmm. and of course, um, you know, I went to public high school and the pressure in the relationship, it got to be to that next level of, I didn't want to have sex with him and he wanted me to. And ended up um, cheating on me with my best friend and uh, breaking my heart. Oh. And, you know, and, it, and at that point on, I was like, you know, for me personally, relationships, I'm just too young. And I and I knew that. And I'd had a pretty rough life with just uh, my parents getting divorced younger and a biological mom that wasn't in my life. And so I for me, I'd had enough, con- you know, like heartache and 
So from that point forward, I was like, I'm just not going to um, date seriously. So for me, I kind of took on the dating as more um, learning social skills in a way, because I was like, I want to be able to relate with the opposite gender and just kind of learn how to connect in that way, but not get serious and not get too heavy physically, because I just couldn't handle that. So, but anyway, I didn't really have a serious relationship after that until Benjamin, which was, we dated my sophomore year in college, but I definitely went on dates um, in in college my freshman year. I mean, I would say not a ton, but definitely put myself out there. And it was great for me with just getting to know people and friends. But I could tell pretty soon if there was going to be that longevity in, in the, you know, I think you know if you have that chemistry in the first date or two of like, am I attracted to this mm-hmm. person? Do we have enough, you know, things in common and, you know, enough um, goals that are similar within a first few dates if you know it's going to go somewhere but um but yeah until I had met Ben I just didn't have that gut feeling of like this is definitely the person you know I got to see him in group settings and around other people before we dated and I think there was a lot of things um that I saw that I I knew were what I was looking for as well as I was praying about it and really felt God moving in our friendship to take that next level so I know it was a unique circumstance and not everybody can do it that way but um yeah I don't know about you with I know Ben had a prior relationship to us that was pretty serious too so I don't know if you want to talk about that (laughs) yeah I I think when you asked Josh about you know just tough lessons you know looking back um I think there are a few relationships for me that I wish I would have been more honest in and I think there's a time when you know if you're in a dating relationship with somebody and you don't see that relationship going long term, I think you have to own that. And you've got to be able to say, um, if if I don't see long term potential in this relationship and the purpose of dating is to see if this person has that potential and we could do a long term life together. I think there were times when when I look back and I wish I had just been more honest, you know, with myself and, and I would have I wish I would have respected myself a little bit more and the person that I was dating to just say, if I'm seeing trends and I'm seeing red flags that are leading me to believe this is not going long-term out of respect for myself and respect for that person, I just need to call it. And I need to be able to say, um, I just don't see the potential in this thing going long-term. And I just want to let, let you know that, or that person know that as soon as you can versus taken a year of that person's time when maybe you saw early on that this wasn't going to go long term, but because of the companionship or, you know, something within that relationship, you stayed in it longer than you should, even when you saw trends and red flags that were speaking otherwise. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, You know, that's something I tell a lot of young people. So, I mean, I was kind of I was kind of lucky personally because the first serious relationship I had, we ended up getting married, which is great. Um, But there were a lot of times before that, I guess, without saying too much, but it's basically where there was sort of potential for a relationship. But as soon as I saw like a red flag, I was like, no, I'm not doing it. So I just never really got into a relationship. Um, But I always tell like younger people, if you can, the longer you leave it, the more it will hurt to end, Mm -hmm. basically. And I think a lot of people struggle with that because they don't want to be the, the bad person. Sure. But you have to, I feel like you have to sort of look at it as a, like, just, I love how you worded that, that Benjamin. It's like a respect for yourself and them. Oh, and yeah. I think it's not really being a bad person if you're ending something, but if you're actually kind of 
it's better for you both if you end it at an appropriate time rather than leave it too long. Yeah. Um, which I think it's a bit hard to. Um, do, do you guys have any, I guess, uh, more universal red flags? I guess um, <laughs> I don't know how better to ask that question. Um, but things people should be looking out for. How, yeah. did, how did you know, Kim, that, uh, I, that I was the one? So, you know, with Ben, there was, like I can say from my own experience with him, you know, I definitely, um, just from my upbringing, was really careful with dating seriously. I had a dad that definitely, um, I knew from opposite of what he was, what I wanted, if that makes sense, because he had oh, a, right. you know, yeah. anger problem, it was, you know, abusive in some ways. So I definitely knew, and I had... I remember having this list of like what I just wrote down, like, you know, obviously number one was a strong relationship with God, a leader like that Mm. could lead my family well, that could, um, you know, not being raised in a spiritual environment. It's still something that's, you know, not a struggle, but it's definitely not always comfortable, comfortable for me to talk about my spirituality just because you, I was raised 21 years without any influence of that. So, you know, I wanted someone that was very strong in that, in that way. And so I observed Ben for a year and I knew in my gut that he was the one for me, which some people are like, how do you just know? But I just, I remember telling my friends my freshman year, like, I'm going to marry that guy. Like I just had this gut feeling. And (laughs) so, but, um, you know, God had led in our relationship, um, with just unique, I actually approached him about, um, dating and told him like I was attracted to him, which, you know, and, and I, I could tell he was too. So let's do this or no, it's not, you know? And, but, um, for me, I think, it helps if you have a kind of an idea of things you're not willing to compromise. And for me, that was um, spirituality. Like I had to have a guy that had the same faith as me. And, and um, you know, and man, that's a tough question now because we have people that, you know, later in life, it's harder to date and, and find the same faith, even especially with online dating. And, you know, in your 30s, mm-hmm. it's not what dating in college. So it's, you know, you can... I feel like be pickier when you're younger because you have more to choose from when, when you're in a college environment in a way. But, you know, I think faith is huge. I think kids, you know, have that discussion when you're dating, like, you know, I guess that's prior to marriage, but we do a lot of marriage counseling. So I see that too. There's just a lot of stuff that um, you need to be able to talk about, but I think red flags, um, I, I observed how they treat for me. He treated his mom really well and his family, his sisters and, Um, Because we went to college together. I think that's a huge thing to look for for females is how he treats his family and his mom, especially because that's inevitably how he's going to be treating you, you know. And I think, um, you know, I think it's uh, for me, there wasn't a red flag with Ben at all. Um, He's not perfect by any means, but. The things that I, I held close for me were, you know, God and um, family and, um, you know, I'm I'm old school. I liked he opened up the doors for me, just stuff that you definitely had respect for me and um, just chivalrous. And, you know, I don't know what else for you that would be red flags when you're dating. Yeah, and I, I just want for anybody who's listening, um, you know, the things that we're sharing are, you know, looking back on our journey. Yeah. But I don't want to paint the picture that we were so intentional and purposeful in the moment. <laughs> I think some of it was just, yeah. you know, it was prayer. It was organic, you know, the way that things kind of happened. But I think you look back and you see lessons and things that were kind of important. And sure. as Kim and I have talked, maybe you know, you ask about red flags. And maybe this will be answering your question um, in a roundabout way. But four things that I think are extremely important when you look at somebody 
to date and potentially do a long-term you know marriage relationship with uh for me the first person the first thing is and somebody may laugh if they're if they're listening somebody may laugh at this but the first thing is do you actually like that person and 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 as you guys are as you all are both laughing but the reason that I think that's important is it's biblical you can choose to love anybody you can choose to love your enemies you can choose to love somebody who has done you wrong or double crossed you or stabbed you in the back yada 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 but i think you can't choose to like someone there is a chemistry of being around somebody that you can really say, I like being with that person. And we know couples uh, that, that love each other, but they don't genuinely like each other. And, and that's kind of an interesting dynamic mm. to be in. And so I would say you want to look for somebody that when you're going through something incredibly exciting, maybe you're doing a mission project in Fiji or New Zealand, Australia, but, but those moments where you have those mountaintop, thrilling experiences, you love being with that person. But you also love being with that person on Saturday night when you're watching a movie and you're just sitting on a couch doing nothing. And so it's really the idea of you want to be with somebody that you genuinely like being around that person. And don't get me wrong. I thought Kim was attractive, that she was cute. But what drew me to Kim, I had never met somebody with a personality that I was drawn to in the way that I was drawn to Kim's personality. And so you and everyone else, oh, <laughs> I'm just and she is so, she is so humble. So, she's so humble. Uh. But I, you know, so I think, you know, being able to say, look for somebody that you genuinely like being around that person. Um, and again, you could choose to love, but I think that like, that like is chemistry. You know, you, you want to be able to be around that person when, Life is thrilling and exciting, but when when life is also boring, you still like being around that person because you genuinely like that person. And, um, you know, I think for me, uh, second thing I'd share is, you know, making sure that you both, if, if faith is a priority to you, that you are both on a faith journey of some kind. You know, don't don't look for somebody that's that's at the same place in faith because you are never meant to be at the same faith place as somebody else because your journeys are unique. So yeah. I think the principle mm -hmm. is you're looking for somebody, if, if faith and a relationship with Jesus, if that's a high priority for you, you want to look for somebody who is also on that same moving in the direction of Jesus or being an apprentice of Jesus, that direction. And I think sometimes, I think sometimes there are people that miss out on what could be a great long-term relationship because they feel like they have to find somebody spiritually who's at the exact same place in their mind that they think they are. And I think what's important is, are you headed in the same direction? And as you head in the same direction, you're inevitably going to grow closer to each other if you're headed towards the same point, you know, in, in that area. Yeah, I like to touch on that. I mean, obviously, when Ben and I met, he was like third year or just switching into Theo and um, and I hadn't even been baptized yet or I had decided I wanted to be Adventist at that point. I was at Adventist college, but it wasn't necessarily 100% what I wanted to do. But, um, but yeah, I made that decision for myself actually before we dated and he actually was the one I did baptismal studies with. But um, 
But oh, yeah, well, yeah, like in I'll just want to clarify that those baptismal studies were before we were I dating. I just said that. Oh, I you did say that? Yeah, oh, okay. <laughs> I said it was before we were dating. You had the most yeah. pure of intentions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, Josh. But at that point, you know, like there were people like um, when we did start to date that definitely had their two cents to add with, well, you know, she is a new, like judging our relationship already before it was even truly a relationship we were dating with, um, she's too new, she's not really an Adventist, or she's not really Christian, and this and that, and I was like, whoa, you know, like, you can't judge someone's journey, and even if I am new, it doesn't mean I'm not worthy of dating him, you know, and that was an insecurity I had to carry of feeling, you know, he was born and raised in a great home, and I was not, and, you know, I struggled with that, it was, you know, am I good enough for him, and I can honestly say that was a struggle even in our first few years of marriage, like feeling worthy to be um, his wife and a pastor's wife and, you know, all that. So um, that it doesn't mean he's better than me. And it took me years to understand that, you know. And so I think there's a lot of pressure that can be put on that. So, yeah, I definitely think as long as you're, you know, if that's of importance, like you said, I think it does not matter where you're at as long as you're both searching and willing to grow you know, separately and together in that journey. So, yeah. 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 And I think mm. there was, there was a, uh, I would say a pivot within our relationship where Kim, Kim really called me out on something, you know, and we were uh, dating. We, we broke up, I think in the time that we were dating about three different times and each time it was for oh. about one hour. <laughs> And um, <laughs> it was just so much drama, you know, just processing some different yeah. things. But I think Kim, uh, she she really called me to the next level within our relationship when she said to me, as we were dating, I think we had been dating about a year, she looked at me and she said, um, I want to date you and be in a relationship with you because of you. It has nothing to do with the career that you're that you're choosing or what line of work you're going into or your family background. Amen. That I <laughs> thank you, Kim. <laughs> that I want to be in a relationship with you because I love you. And I so I think, you know, it was it was really I think a challenge to me to say you don't date somebody because of their career. Or you don't date somebody because they have had this. Maybe if they're a doctor. Okay, maybe. I'm just kidding. But you don't date somebody, <laughs> you know, because they've had this spotless family upbringing. You are looking at do you and this person uh, do you like each other? Are you both on a God journey? Do you have life goals that mm. that just make sense? And do you have enough that you can share in your life that you're going to be able to have an enjoyable purposeful, uh, missional life together, you know, to make some impact. And so I think for me, um, Kim really just challenged me that I was looking at a long-term relationship with Kim, not with Kim's family mm. and not with Kim's past that she may or may not have had. But I think that's a, that's just an important thing. I think for anybody listening to realize that you have to be able to look at that person apart from their career, apart from their family, apart from their upbringing, and be able to look at that person for who they are and really asking God to let you see what you need to see and just ask yourself, do I like this person? And do I want to spend the rest of my life with them for them? And do I believe that God can really get us through anything and that if we you know, pray forward, 
that we can overcome any obstacle together. And I'll, and I'll just say that our relationship, uh, dating, and then even into marriage, there were a lot of challenges. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it, it, and yeah. I, I don't know about both of you guys. Uh, it's only by the grace of God that two people can come together in a relationship and it works. It's only by yeah. the grace of God. <laughs> and it doesn't matter how similar you may think you are for somebody listening, how similar you think you and somebody else might be on paper. You've had such different upbringings. Even if you both grew up Seventh-day Adventist, you didn't come from the same home. Mm-hmm. Your parents didn't mm-hmm. navigate their relationship in the same way. And so, again, I think it's only by the grace of God that oh, yeah. relationships can work. And you're forever changing. Like, that's Absolutely. the craziness of marriage. Yeah. You know, where you're 14, and we've seen couples, for some reason, around year 10, it's just a very hard year. And you're so different. You've had the kids by then, typically. You've had these highs and lows, and I don't know. It's like you can understand why that's kind of the midlife crisis for them. You know, like, there's this, yeah. what's next? And what, you know, I'm not in love with you anymore. And, you know, it's, yeah, marriage is hard for sure. And I think by having that faith and that journey with Jesus and that growth together, it's by God's grace that we make it, you know, and it's a choice to do that. So, and I, and I think we, you know, we had brought up, or I mentioned a little bit earlier on, I mean, just to paint a picture of how different our upbringings have, you know, were when it came to, um, asking for Kim's hand in marriage, and I still felt like, even though I wasn't, I didn't know her dad really well, I still felt like that was the right thing to do. So I called mm. Kim's dad, and I think this may have been the first. So think about this: this is probably the first conversation that I will have ever had with Kim's dad, and I'm asking for her hand in, in marriage. Oh wow! <laughs> and so when I called. I must have picked up that phone and hung up five or ten times. Like, I remember that. And I kept thinking, what am I going to say? Like, hey, buddy, hey, friend, we've never talked before. Uh, and anyway, I, I called your dad, and he was in the hot tub, and I could hear these bubbles going in the, in the hot tub at his house. And I just thought, this could not be any more of an awkward conversation. Like, here I am. He's in the hot tub. I can hear the bubbles. <laughs> this, this is just not how I imagined it. But anyway, you know, so I, I asked for her hand, for her hand in marriage, and I'm glad that I did that out of respect for Kim's dad. Uh, but they were not um, at a great place in their relationship, we and so speaking, it, yeah. no, and so as our as our relationship kind of progressed, her family was not a part of that journey at all, and so yeah, I really well. had to had to come to a place, and I think Kim called me out on this where I had to be honest in saying, am I going to marry Kim for Kim? Or am I going to, am I looking for some, some other factors within this relationship? And I think when I really sat back, I loved Kim and was drawn to who she was. I genuinely liked her on the, on the thrilling moments and the boring ones. And I was willing to say, regardless of whether your family um, is the perfect family or it's so complicated, whether they're part of our journey going forward or they're not, I want to marry you for you. And so I think for me, that was really a turning point. And, and we had some tough moments. Kim and I were just talking in the car uh, on, my, on the way to my office about how I viewed our wedding day as a very positive memory, and Kim didn't. And maybe, Kim, you can speak into 
why was that more of a stressor for you than it was a great memory looking back? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if we're veering here from the topic, <laughs> but uh, yeah. No, it's all good. Is that good? Okay. Um, yeah, no, for me, um, I, I had um, just my sister at my wedding. I didn't have my brother, technically half-brother, but um, anyway, he's my brother, but I didn't have my dad walking me down the aisle or my mom or aunts and uncles mm. or anyone at the wedding. And that I must remember, have been challenging. Yeah, it was just a very hard, it was um, at that point, Definitely, there was a lot of insecurities. We got married where we went to school, so I had all my college friends there and just, you know, some people that were important to me in my life with, uh, you know, teachers or this or that that were there. But it definitely was a humbling um, thing to know that your family chose not to support you and be there for you and kind of questioning if they even truly love you. So, But I remember Ben's dad stepping up and um, walking me down the aisle, so I definitely wasn't one of the strong ones that was like, Hey, let me do it by myself. So it was really kind of his dad to do that, but definitely just not a great memory for, you know, obviously I was thankful to marry Ben, but it, you know, the wed- the wedding itself was definitely stressor. So, so yeah. And so I, you know, I think just going back full circle to that question or maybe advice for anybody who is dating somebody, um, be honest about what draws you to this relationship. Like you've got to really be honest about that. Am I being drawn to this person because of the benefits that come along with this person? Or am I being drawn to this person because I genuinely like this person and I love being with this person. And I genuinely, whether we have a smooth season or a really challenging one, I want to go through life with this person because I like and love this person. And so I think for a lot of people, um, you just you want to be able to be honest enough with yourself to be able to reflect on, you know, what's what's the why that I'm in this relationship, you know, and, and is that an honest uh, why and what's drawing me into this relationship? And so I think when Kim and I, through all this dating, we both came to the the understanding realization that we had never connected with another person in the way that we had connected. And that was really just personality. Like we love being around each other. We were laughing like crazy and we were just, it was (laughs) natural and it was, we we connected, it wasn't forced. And so I (laughs) think, you know, it, it really was just that natural chemistry that drew us together. And we were able to say, whatever comes with each one of us, uh, we're willing to accept that. But at the core, we want to do life together, you know, for us. And whatever that means that that comes with, we're committed to that journey together. Yeah. Oh, I love that. It's so good. And I, I think um, I remember with Danelle when, um, when I first met her and we started really talking one thing that really struck out to me was I've just never met anybody who it, it just feels so easy yep. for me to talk to and yeah. so easy for us to make each other laugh. Like it just, it it's just kind of that click, yeah. you know, and it sounds so cliche, but it just was real for us. Like I've just never met another girl who I could just feel like, wow, it's just, this just feels like a great friendship if nothing else. And I, sure. I can tell like we, when we shared our hearts, mm. we were going in the same direction direction we weren't in the same place mm. but we were headed, we had the same sort of trajectory which was big for us um I, and i just want to i guess i just want to shift gears a little bit because mm-hmm. we sort of touched on it but i feel like it's time for us to get into something a little bit more um maybe 
I don't know. Not it's not really controversial. Well, maybe a little bit controversial. I don't know. A little something a little bit heavier, um, because I I put something out on the burn the haystack Instagram story, just asking if anybody had any questions about marriage and dating, and we got an overwhelming response <laughs> in a very similar vein. Yep. And uh, I thought it'd be interesting to talk about. It. I think what we were talking about there will actually spring nicely into this. But we had a lot of people asking about um, the idea of saving ourselves for marriage. Um, Kim, you touched on it before, but um, the idea of not having sex before you're married, is it, is it even biblical? Is it still relevant today? Is it just some construct made by the patriarchy? Or Do you know, like, is it... Because I think the, the time difference between the Bible and now is, you know, it's 2,000 years. Culture is completely different. We're on the exact opposite side of the world from it, uh, mm-hmm. where we are. And so... You know, we don't have arranged marriages today. The time difference between when you hit puberty and when you're married, it's gotten way longer now and it's getting longer. Um, so, yeah, uh, do you guys think it's still something we need to keep in mind? Is it still worth doing? Is it actually biblical? I know there's so many questions there, but I'm just giving it to you all. It's like a shotgun. Kim, do you want to jump whatever. Kim, do you want to jump in to this? <laughs> you want me to jump in? Uh, you can start, and I'll definitely jump in too, but you can start <laughs> with it. Um, you know, I think there there's so much conversation that's yeah. needed around the topic of sexuality and this conversation. I think this could this could this could have, you could have enough content to have a number of podcast episodes probably on this content. For sure. I will, <laughs> yeah. you know, look at going way back. Um, I had a conversation with my dad about sexuality. It was the most awkward 10 minutes of my life. <laughs> and my dad, my dad, <laughs> my dad rented a book from the library. And, you know, at first, it, I'll, I'll tell you more about that. It started off with how trees have leaves and then chickens and eggs and dogs and puppies. <laughs> nice. And then the last chapter was a husband and a wife. I assume it was a husband and wife or two people underneath kind of a, a bed sheet. And the next page was this baby <laughs> in a bassinet. And then my dad said, OK, uh, I think we're done. Why don't we pray? And then we'll go to the uh, we, we'll go to the basketball game because we had NBA tickets. So my dad was making me wait to go to an NBA game to have the most awkward <laughs> conversation in the world. And I, I anyway, I, and I think all that to say, um, I think we as a church um, have really done a poor job um, talking about the gift of sexuality. I think I think we really have, and so I'll just maybe launch from that place by saying that I think we need to be talking about um, sexuality and, and sexual relationships or sexual relationships as as really a gift. And I think so many times it's viewed as this, you know, weight, um, it's bad or it's evil or it's shameful. And I think to be able to look at God gave, gave um, us, humanity, this incredible gift of sexuality and it is extremely powerful and let me tell you an example of how powerful this is if my grandma when she was still alive if we had been having an american thanksgiving uh, and all of a sudden i just stood up and said hey let's talk about sex my grandma would have fallen over onto the floor 
And, you know, just a word. She knows the power of the gift. She, maybe she does. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Kim, your turn. Your, uh, listen, Kim, your right, turn is coming. Your turn is coming. <laughs> but, it, but I think, you know, I, anyway, the, the word is, is powerful, you know, it, and it, it would be powerful for me to say, even say that word in my family that didn't talk about that as openly. So all that to say, um, I, th- I wish that we could talk about sex as the gift that God intended. And no matter how you look at sex, whether it's from a biblical perspective or, or maybe even just um, a non-biblical perspective, it is an extremely powerful thing. And I like to explain it in this way. Um, in America, we have this uh, tape. It's called duct tape. I don't know if you all, if you have duct tape in New Zealand or Australia. Yeah, we, we have it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when you think about sex, it's like putting two pieces of duct tape together. It's extremely uh, bonding when you put those tapes together, and or those pieces of tape. And if you think about, you know, putting the sticky side of two pieces of tape together they're really meant to be bonded for a long time. And when you rip those pieces of tape apart, um, there's wreckage that's involved you know, with that because you have something that's powerful that has come together. And so you know, for me, recognizing that sex is it's not meant to be shameful, that it's a gift that I believe is designed for a committed long-term relationship, uh, marriage, that when it's when it's used in that context, that gift, it's absolutely incredible, you know. And so, do I think it's still important for me to save yourself um, until you're married? Um, I would just say that sex is incredibly powerful, and I think we all recognize that that's the case. And so, you know, mm-hmm. when the, when it's used or engaged in in a in a way that's not in a committed relationship there's wreckage that often is going to happen, you know, emotionally, emotional wreckage, physical wreckage. And so I think it is important to recognize, hey, this gift is super powerful and it's meant to be used in a, in a context of two people that are committed to doing a long-term relationship together, like marriage. And, and when, you, when you view the gift in that way, I think, I don't know about you, Kim, but it's not, not that it's shameful and that you can't do it, but you recognize the power that it has to bond people together. And when people are bonded and then separated, there's wreckage that happens. There's emotional wreckage that happens. And I think that's God's design that sex is meant to be enjoyed, mm. uh, used to create kids, but it's meant to be enjoyed in a context where you don't have to rip those two people apart because they're going to be together for life. Mm. Mm. Yeah, no, I th- I think that, I mean, unfortunately, I think it's definitely more common. I mean, I grew up public school and it was happening then and there was definitely pressure then. And I know now it's even more, um, you know, common for it to happen. And it just it kind of breaks my heart because I just know how emotionally, especially women, just how emotional we are and we just get attached so easily. And then when that falls apart, you're carrying this baggage almost to your next relationship and you want to compare it to the last or make it better and I think it's just you know as women we want to kind of fix it or have a better experience because we're very emotional and it and we attach easier I think and it just makes everything more complicated when you have that you know and I think in women's minds we think it's going to make us closer as a couple and 
you know, you do it for different reasons, I think, than the, the men, obviously. But, um, yeah, I think when it's, you know, intended, I think it is intended for marriage. You know, I think there's a reason why. I think we, it just bonds you, like he said, in a, in a way. And it just makes it hard. You know, I I, um, I saw my sister go through so much um, of that. And I, you know, I personally chose to wait. And I'm thankful for that. You know, I think... With my past, I grew up with um, a biological mom that had cheated on my husband, or not my husband, my dad, and um, yeah. that's partly why they got divorced, and it just really, I was, I almost had a fear of inti- intimacy because of that, so I think it, you know, um, I've had to work through my own issues, but I think um, I'm thankful for that. I had enough other issues in my life to deal with that I didn't want to have to deal with, that I didn't have to deal with other, you know, baggage from other relationships because of that, so... But yeah, and I think when you know, just playing off of what Kim said, my advice would be respect the gift. Yeah, you know, respect the gift that is very powerful, and it's best used, I think, in the right context to do what it was designed to do, and that's to bond two people together in a very intimate way. And so, respect the gift. And I've also seen, and you know, just from some of my past before Kim that the more um, sexual a relationship gets in the, in the phase of dating, the less and less you begin to communicate mm. verbally. And so mm-hmm. all of a sudden, I, I think often what I've seen is two people will begin to uh, date each other, and they're not dating with, with that purpose and intentionality. So often they pull away from community they begin to isolate themselves together. And, and, and I think it's just, it's common sense. If you're the only two people hanging out together, eventually you yeah. will not have something to talk about because you're spending so much time together. And so you, I've seen this so many times that couples will isolate themselves <laughs> and then um, they, they really um, almost become sexually active and they look at the sexual intimacy and that sexual intimacy and that connection becomes an imposter for emotional intimacy. And so all of a sudden you feel like, oh, we're so connected together, but you're really not. You're connected together through sexuality and that's the way that it was designed. But at the core, you're really not connected to that person with communication or with, you know, emotionally. And so I think when you, when you talk about respecting the gift that is the trend that often happens, that the more sexual you get within dating, the less and less you begin to communicate. And if you're not communicating, how in the world are you going to figure out with wisdom and, and prayer and guidance, how are you going to figure out if this person is somebody that you really could spend the rest of your life with? And so, you know, for anybody um, that did not save themselves, you know, for marriage, I didn't. And so Kim and I have Kim and I have different journeys on that respect. I would just say um, God doesn't shame you. Mm-hmm. There's no shame mm. in looking back, wishing you had done things a little bit different. I think when you recognize the place that you're in, you can look back and we can learn the lessons from our past, but we also recognize that we are not defined by our past. And so if you are somebody listening who has a sexual past, and you look back and you wish, man, if I could go back, I would have done that a little bit differently. Don't shame yourself with that. The past has already happened, and I think it's important to recognize that we're not defined by our past. 
we can only learn from our past and recognize that our past is not our final destination. And so I hope that nobody, you know, if, if you want to do things differently moving forward, I hope that you don't feel shame yeah. for whatever decision yeah. you may or may that, not have made in the past. And I think for female, like I've talked with young adults before that have had a sexual past and have felt the guilt and the shame and then almost feel the pressure to continue that in future relationships because they've already done it. It's like it's not as big of a deal to them, but yet they've, they're continually struggling with guilt because of it. And yet they feel like they have to continue. And I've tried to... And, I think that's a huge thing, and I think it's almost how we're wired to kind of make up for the past and do it again but better or something. And I think it's important to know that just because you have, I mean, you feel like you need to, you know, ask for forgiveness with God or whatever to, to let that go, but, yeah, to let go of the shame. And if you don't want to going forward, then that's your decision, you know, and your choice, mm -hmm. and it doesn't mean you have to because you've done this and you've had this past. And so, yeah, no, mm -hmm. I think it's letting go of shame that we carry and I mean, I carried the shame from my biological mom, from her past, because I, and my that dad, was, and yeah. that wasn't even your past. And it wasn't, but I was so scared wow. of having that, and I carried it anyway that it prevented me. And I mean, I had to get counseling even after we were married, because I still carried it, you know? So it's, we're, you know, we have to let go of that. I mean, I love Christine Kane's book, Unashamed. It talks so much about that, and it was a great book to for me. But yeah, no, I... And yeah, and I, I hope that... Um, yeah, I hope that if there's anybody listening, uh, that you can just be reminded and you can believe that, you know, God fully loves you and he doesn't define you by your past. Mm. And the place that you're in, uh, it's not the end of the story. And you can call mm. a timeout and you can recognize the lessons of what you have learned looking back but there are more chapters in your story to be written. And God is the, I think God wants to be the author of your life and he wants to write a new chapter. And so I just hope that, you know, whatever, yeah, a person may be feeling in response to this conversation about sexuality, God does not shame you. God loves you mm. and God has a future for you. And God is willing to take all the pieces of what you wish you would have done or, or differently or woulda, shoulda, couldas. And God can take all that stuff and he can write the most beautiful next chapter for your life. And if you look yeah. and if you look back over, you know, your dating and relationships and you see a the red flag of trends where you seem to be getting into the same relational spot time and time again, I just want to encourage you, call a timeout. And remember that your identity um, needs to be rooted in God. Call a timeout. Get around a community that loves you. And just know that even if you've built up a relational trend, you can break your own trend by the power of God. And you can embrace relational health moving forward, you know. Yeah, awesome. Mm. Mm. That is so cool. That is so cool. Well, hey, I think that is a really, really good place to hit the pause button. Um, I know that I've really enjoyed this conversation. This is part one. So um, guys, thank you so much for this amazing, amazing, ah, it's just hope filled. You, you know, bet. I think a lot of this stuff can be so complicated and messy and awkward and potentially shameful. But um, yeah, just thank you for, for being able to inject a bit of hope, a bit of joy into this thing. And I just can't wait for uh, next week where we get into 
marriage. <laughs> it's going to be fun. Yeah, thanks um, for having th- us. Thank you guys so much. Our pleasure. And ladies and gentlemen, that's how we learned that curls get the girls. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> oh, I man. never had curls. I never so had curls. I got, yeah, yeah um, but now we know that all men need curls. My brother had a huge curly mop um, growing up. So he was definitely... Johnny was Johnny was a ladies man. I was the awkward nice. older brother. <laughs> Um, <laughs> was was the awkward older brother? <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> <laughs> no, but yeah, so really deep insights from that episode. Uh, super helpful. I mean, well, obviously we're not in the dating stage anymore, but honestly, like it was helpful for me because there's so many people who I can be like, "Hey, have you listened to this episode?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I know for some people, you know, like when you if you're not dating or you are wanting to date sometimes it can just feel like this huge big scary thing i know i felt that you know before when i was single i um i really wanted to date but then i was like i don't know what to do so you know kind of afraid of messing this thing up and so it's just good yeah. to be able to lean on the wisdom of people <clears throat> who have been there who've done that who have made some mistakes who have learned from those mistakes and i i honestly think that it's we should surround ourselves more with people like that because there is just such an opportunity to not have to make the mistakes ourselves, but to learn from other people's mistakes. Um, I think that is such a valuable thing. It's such an underrated thing. People don't do it. People, I don't know. People are kind of stupid. I'm, I, I'm speaking for myself. <laughs> you know, like yep. I, I received so much advice about dating and relationships growing up. For the most part... I mean, I took some of it on, but I, there's a lot of that stuff that I just kind of disregarded. And I ended up making those mistakes that I probably should didn't need to and going, oh, hang, I wish I'd learned that. I wish I'd listened to that advice. So yeah, take it from me. Mm. Listen to advice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway, that's um, our episode on dating, uh, dating with purpose uh, with, with Ben and Kim. So we'd love to hear your thoughts, your feedback. So uh, yeah, I don't know. Did, did we have it right? Was it all wrong? We'd just love to hear from you. So send us an email. Um, you can... Find all things burn the hay- at burn the haystack. Wait, you can find all things burn the haystack at burnthehaystack.org. <laughs> uh, and you can find ways to contact us there. So, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah. Uh, and if you haven't already subscribed, please hit that. <laughs> smash that subscribe button. <laughs> smash, it. smash it. Smash it. Hulk, um, smash the subscribe button. <laughs> Um, and, and if you are subscribed, but you um, haven't done already, if you want to help us out um, in one of the most special ways possible, you can leave a review and a rating on whatever podcatching app that you're using. It really helps us out with our visibility, and we'd really appreciate it if you did. Absolutely. So that is Josh and Jesse 